Hello everyone, I'm Alan Mellish, Director of Events and Online Content at the Human Capital Institute, and this is Nine to Thrive HR, your source for education, expertise, and knowledge in all things talent. If you just can't get enough of this kind of thing, check out hci.org for more free, amazing content like this. And also, if you want to make a real investment in your personal development this year, learn about our highly interactive virtual conference schedule at hci.org forward slash conferences. This episode of Nine to Thrive is brought to you by Cloverleaf. Check them out online at cloverleaf.me. Today, my guest is Dr. Scott Dust. He is the Chief Research Officer at Cloverleaf. Scott, welcome to Nine to Thrive. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Excellent. So first, I'm going to ask you to kind of provide a little introduction of yourself. Uh, can you give us a brief overview of Cloverleaf and how you fit into it? Sure, I'd love to. So Cloverleaf is a tech platform and it overlays human capital assessments. And what we do is provide automated and personalized coaching insights. Um, and that automation, it's it's in real time. It's timely. So our platform integrates with tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams to make sure that it's not only automated, but coming at the right moment uh, within your workflow. And so these coaching tips are, are for individuals, but also uh, recognizing that those tips need to be customized to the individuals that they're working with at any one point in time, whether it be a manager, a new team member, or within a specific context of, of a larger team or organization. Um, so it's it's much more than auto, automated coaching. It's a whole platform for integrated performance management. Um, and they track all that information at the individual level, team level, division, organization, et cetera, which can be super powerful when uh, you're trying to make strategic human capital decisions, whether you're in leadership, management, people ops, HR, DEI type uh, positions. And so my role is the uh, as the chief research officer is to help with data analytics, to help with uh, understanding our assessments um, a little bit better and understand the value that they can add. And really my background is is in social science in that I've been studying organizational psychology um, as an undergrad MBA and then as, as a PhD and now I'm a professor at Miami University Farmer School of Business. And my job essentially is to figure out what's real and what's not. Um, so I can apply the research methods and apply the theory and, and rationale behind all of the talent analytics, leadership, teams, team building, et cetera, to everything that we do here at Cloverleaf to make sure that we're doing things right and helping our customers the best we can. Excellent. And what particular areas are you researching? I know you went a little bit, but let's dig in. Like, What areas are you researching and how does that align to what you're doing at Cloverleaf? Yeah, great question. So broadly speaking, I research leadership in teams. And um, what I think I end up doing the majority of in, in my research models is trying to understand how an individual might be complementary or supplementary to some other party, whether it be their manager, a team member, or even their organization at large. And so that complementarity gets at, you know, how are they different? And then supplementarity, how are they similar? Or the degree to which they're similar or different? And maybe a great example is something I've published recently in personnel psychology. And we looked at the um, congruence or incongruence between risk orientation and how that affects creativity and, and innovation. And what we found essentially was that, you know, most people would assume that those that are high in risk orientation are going to be more creative or more innovative. Uh, but actually, it, it didn't matter so much the level of the employee. What did matter was that they were different than their supervisor. And the more they were different than their supervisor in risk orientation, the more they were intellectually stimulated, which then led to more creativity and innovation. 
Um, and that's really a good microcosm of what we're trying to do at Cloverleaf is help people understand their unique value, but also how that unique value, uh, whether it's their personality characteristics, their work preferences, their knowledge skills, et cetera, how that can um, add to the bigger picture and ensure that the outcomes at the team level or organization level are optimized because we're taking advantage of, of all of the ways that people can contribute in different ways. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of my work is, is in that organizational behavior space. Um, so I'm on three editorial boards, Journal of Organizational Behavior, Group and Organizational Management, and then Journal of Social Psychology. And all of them come at, uh, from different angles, trying to understand human behavior in organizations, whether that just be, you know, what do leaders and team members do um, to uh, what are some of the trends across the work environment and the future of work? Yeah. And that's really fascinating. I, I like how you were talking about complementary versus supplementary. And just to dig in on that a little bit, it seems like kind of what you're saying is that, you know, there's what is contained in my personality, my work style, my uh, abilities, my preferences, all of that stuff that make up who I am at work. But then there's also, you're also trying to take into account all of the personalities, preferences, and even the, the work culture that I'm in and how that those stimuli are going to affect how I behave and how I perform or interact with others at work. Is that a fair description of what you're talking about? Yeah, you nailed it. You could teach some of my classes. I mean, I think that whole mentality of it's not just the individual. It's it's there's a joint effect in there and there's a reciprocal interaction in there as well where a lot of times we're just looking at the individual and we're trying to understand their behavior patterns and we make predictions based upon those behavioral profiles and what they're going to do and how they could potentially add value but that's really omitting the context in which they're embedded. If you're not considering who is the other party that they're influencing, whether it's a team member or subordinate or, or even their, their manager or superior, or you're not considering the cultural environment in which that influence process takes place and, those, and that reciprocal interaction takes place, you're not really picking up on all the nuances and the realities of the situation. Um, and so there's methodological approaches to to tease that out and, and to understand that better. And so I'm trying to connect my research to, um, to all the practical ways that we can be doing this on a day-to-day basis when we come into contact with individuals within an organization. And Cloverleaf's the first company that I've seen that's been able to really do this in a way that's practical. Because on the one hand of the continuum, you have accuracy and specificity, which when you're getting at this more contextualized uh, joint effect approach that you referenced, it certainly gets at that. But on the other end of the spectrum, it has to be usable, it has to be practical, it has to be something that we can handle in the moment and actually use well. That's what's really challenging and where I think Cloverleaf is is doing such an amazing job because it is automated, it is integrated, and it and it meets you where you are in the flow of your workday, uh, which is which is super hard to do. Yeah, so I want to talk a bit more about how you're what you're describing. How lots of people could be collecting the same information and finding these same insights about us, but part of what makes Cloverleaf different is that not only is it accurate, but it's also it's something usable, something we can actually take action on, and then also it's integrated into our workflows. So does that mean just to put together a scenario of what it might look like? Am I just working away at one point of the day and then through say Microsoft Teams, 
um, comes uh, a message from my my curlover leaf uh, automated coach uh, that that says, "Hey, I noticed you uh, you're having trouble here, or you know, here's some ideas on how to use your time better, or how to have difficult discussions, or whatever insight has been generated." Is that how it works, or uh, you tell me? Yeah, you know, you're right on. It's a push and a pull system, and so when you're within the platform, it pulls from some of the interfaces that you're already using, whether that be, like you said, Slack or Microsoft Teams or whatever. And it knows, for example, who you're getting ready to meet with. So if you all were on Cloverleaf, for example, it would say your upcoming meeting um, with Alan is going to be describing all of uh, the things that are the tendencies that they might have, whether it be communication oriented or how to manage conflict or how to manage time or, or how to influence each other. Um, all those types of prompts are given for you right in that moment through your calendar, for example. But then also it's integrated with email. So you're getting automated coaching tips at certain intervals throughout your day and you can kind of scale up or scale down however you need. But then there's also this poll opportunity, which I think is really important because a lot of times when we get uh, information about behavioral assessments and assessments at large on in, in any human capital category, it's, it's static and it's kind of like a one-time data dump where you go in for the workshop and you get your information and then it ends and, you, and there's just no way to retain all of that information. And so to be able to have a system where everything is housed about yourself as well as your teammates and everybody within your organization to go to and look up individuals to, to learn more and figure out more and then also to compare yourself to. So you can look at your profile versus somebody else's profile based upon a certain assessment and it'll tell you what your similarities and differences are and the things that you should consider in terms of how to work better together, given what your profiles look like. And so that level of specificity that you can pull on your own time is, is very helpful for being able to figure things out in the moment. We did some user experience um, uh, information gathering and found that a lot of times people are going to those sections uh, when they have a new employee or when they're potentially having challenges with a, a getting to know somebody or virtual workers that are being onboarded and they don't know people very well. And so they're they're constantly using these features when they want to know how to work better together and figure out um, how to crack that open and work better together. And so it's a little bit of both. It's the push and the pull and it makes it so that it's available. And then also it makes it so that it's in, I would call more tiny bits or bite-sized information. Because again, a lot of times we get data dumps on different profile assessments about ourselves and others, and it's too much information to take in all at one time. So when you have what I would call micro nudges happening across time and at the right time, it enables you to actually remember it and apply it in a way that's helpful and useful in the moment. Thanks for expanding on that. That's very helpful. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, where have you seen the most growth in the HR tech space recently? Yeah. So, I mean, HR tech in general, I think is definitely growing and growing quickly. Um, and I think where there, there probably is the most growth is in, um, is the DE&I space, the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. I think Interestingly, we have had lots of conversations, of course, with um, you know C-level executives, HR, people ops, et cetera, that want to understand how to encourage people to be better leaders and, and how to work better in teams because essentially everything's done in teams. But where we're seeing a lot of interest and a lot of people that are, I don't know if having a pain point is the right word, but there's definitely a lot of questions coming from 
DEI personnel um, or those that are charged with DEI efforts to say, can you help us figure out how to ensure that we have a more inclusive work environment? And I would say the research bears out what a lot of these DEI experts are starting to realize, which is if you only focus on diversity, those surface level characteristics um, on the front end and just trying to get more and more diversity in, that's a great start and that's important. But at the same time, that's not that's not the final step. That's the beginning step. And from there, you have to actually create a culture of inclusion. And in our view, the best way to do that is to create a work environment that appreciates not just surface level diversity, as they call it in the literature, but deep level diversity, which is getting at more of these psychographic characteristics. And so if you overlook the fact that, you know, what we really want is diversity of thought. We want diversity of ideas. We want diversity of functional backgrounds. That is what's going to add value to the organization. That's going to add value to teams and decision-making and everything else. That's what we're shooting for. So you got to have both, right? You got to have to have diversity for, for the sake of fairness and, and also for this idea of um, ensuring broader perspectives. But you also really have to have the environment where f- people feel like they're included and they belong and that people appreciate who they are as an individual and how they might contribute. And so the whole mission of the platform really is to help people understand how to work better together with with everybody else in that they can recognize what those deep level characteristics are. And when they do that, it then allows for this opportunity to create a sense of inclusion because we know how to approach each other. We know how to communicate better. We know how to work together in a way that allows everybody to be who they are and be unique and be different, but at the same time, do it in a way that's productive and efficient for all. Um, so we are seeing tons of conversations going on about this need for inclusion because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's important, but it's not, it's not quite there. And people are having a hard time coming up with the mechanisms to figure out how to get there. So that's a little bit of a look at what you see happening out there in the, ta- uh, the HR space. What is, um, in the, as we're coming out of the pandemic, things are starting to reopen. Looking back, how is, how did all of this impact what you guys were doing at Cloverly? Did it change the, the the model for what you were doing? Did you emphasize something more than you did um, before the pandemic? Just respond to that, reflect on that. Yeah, it's a great question. So when the pandemic really got into full swing. I mean, certainly Cloverleaf was having strategic meetings and saying, what do we need to pay attention to? What do we need to address? Uh, what should we change? What's your messaging being? All those types of things. And interestingly, it really was the chief technology officer, Matt Schock, who I think really kind of stayed true to the fact that, you know, I, I don't know that we have to change anything. I think actually what we're doing is going to help address this problem and that we don't need to be the ones that, that necessarily make an adjustments. We're a solution that can help people uh, make it through and manage these changes. And so if anything, this transition to more organizations relying on remote work and arguably there's going to be a lot more organizations that don't have everybody come back to the office or choose some type of hybrid arrangement um, or even stay completely virtual. I've talked to business owners that have said, I'm not, I'm not even going to reopen the doors. And if anything, being able to have a, a technology platform that allows you to get to know people better is going to be very important in a more uh, virtually slanted um, organizational setup where more people are working from home. Because when you when you have people that don't see each other face to face, it is harder to pick up on some of the more subtle cues for how people 
like work done and what their values are and what their preferences are and what their favorite work characteristic arrangements might be. And so having a platform to be able to get at that deeper level when you might not be able to pick up on those nonverbal cues or those subtleties or observations as you're bumping into people face-to-face, it's exactly what people need. And Cloverleaf experienced this themselves. They've had eight new employees um, since everybody was, was sent home to, to work remotely. And through the platform, it feels like everybody genuinely has a good idea of what everybody's sense of value is and what what they bring to the table and how they're unique and how people like to to operate in this new virtual environment. Um, so if anything, I, th- I think it's just kind of amped up the need for something like this, right? People want to know how to work better with others. They don't want to be left in the dark. And this is something that can help do that. Thanks. Um, and how do you see the use of Cloverleaf evolving as we move forward? Do you anticipate new capabilities? What's changing when you look into your crystal ball for Cloverleaf? I mean, I think Cloverleaf is, um, they're well positioned, I think, to capitalize on some of the interests and the the needs that are out there right there and right now in the marketplace. I mean, they have a very unique view on human behavior and how to understand that human behavior. And I think that for one, using big data, number two, capitalizing on this idea of micro nudges um, and meeting people in the flow of their work is is novel and and we're trying to exploit that. But I would also say at the same time, I think what we're working on over and over and trying to like continually refresh and make even better is recognizing that a lot of times in the team building space in particular, we're really worried about the um, dependent variable, the outcome, right? We want to increase psychological safety. We want to increase information sharing. We want to increase communication and collaboration. And there's a lot of people kind of taking stock of that and trying to understand that, whether it be through surveys or, or some other uh, means through technology. Um, but they're not necessarily putting the same amount of effort into understanding the inputs that lead to those great outcomes that we, that we know are important, psychological safety and information sharing, et cetera. And so really trying to focus on pinpointing the correct inputs and what are the ideal combinations of individuals Uh, of different teams, um, of subgroups within teams that really create the most value possible, depending upon whatever that dependent variable is. Team effectiveness, team satisfaction, cohesion, innovativeness, whatever it might be. So there's so many different variations of of the ideal dependent variable of interest, but then working backwards and saying, you know, we're not just going to tell you, hey, you should work on psychological safety. We're going to help create models that understand how to actually create those ideal team processes that then eventually lead to these ideal outcomes or outputs of interest. Well, Scott, you've been generous with your time today. So before we go, do you have any final thoughts or observations to share regarding your experience working with Cloverleaf? Sure. So um, final observations, I would say, I think I've always been interested in um, two different things. Number one, the idea of using data to make better decisions, kind of having an actuarial consulting background. And then also just been a a leadership geek. I really love this idea of of self-development and personal development. And so I like to tell people when I first met Cloverleaf, it was love at first dry erase board session because it was was just such a great match in being able to understand um, that there is somebody out there that that gets it and, and understands the big picture of what's going to actually work in terms of uh, leadership development and team development. It's important to understand yourself and it's important to understand and have this sense of self-awareness. 
And it's also important to have an understanding of others and the other people that you work with. But if you can't join the two together in a way that's, that's simple uh, and easy and actionable in the moment, then it's not going to necessarily work. It's informative and it's interesting, but it's not necessarily going to drive the outcomes that you're looking for. Um, and so I really, I've always believed in this idea of self-leadership and there's different theorists and, and practitioners that use the, the self-leadership model or self-leadership theory kind of as a, uh, a platform for, for explaining um, professional development in the workplace. But for me, it's really this idea of self-awareness when you can work on that and really flex that muscle, it then leads to better self-regulation, which is just this idea of uh, behavioral change in the moment and the right type of behavior change in the moment. And from there, if you engage in some degree of self-reflection, it can, um, it can kind of supercharge that process. It can lead to more self-awareness. It can also make sure that self-awareness leads to self-regulation. And so, I mean, the listeners right now, just listening to this podcast, that is a form of self-reflection as is going and doing a master's class or whatever else. Um, I'm biased, of course. I hope that people engage in this whole process of self-leadership and self-reflection through platforms like Cloverleaf. But I do think it's important for everybody to recognize that it's not a one-time thing. You can't just pick one thing off the shelf and say, okay, now I'm, I'm the ideal leader or now I'm, I'm, I'm going to approach this problem the, the way that this, this specific book tells me to or this, this author tells me to. It's a process and it takes time. And the only way to really do that right um, is through one moment at a time. And to be able to understand who you are as well as who you're working with at any one time and to be able to make that uh, flexible, adaptive decision or self-regulate in the moment, you know, that's, that's really what leadership and teaming is all about. Thanks, Scott. And for all ideas related to HR, come visit the Human Capital Institute at hci.org. Don't forget to rate us, like us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about Cloverleaf, check them out at cloverleaf.me. Until next time, I'm Alan Mellish.